Hello listener, it's the host of Campbell's Football's Grant Campbell here, with a message to every one of you listening to this podcast. Please keep safe during this very stressful time with the outbreak of coronavirus affecting not just football, but our everyday lives. Make sure your friends and family are safe during this very stressful time for many of us, not just physically, but mentally too. But Campbell's Footballs will still be producing podcasts. However, there will be very few predictions because obviously there's not much football going on at the moment. I have a few in-conversation specials though, which I'm sure you would love to listen to. But at the end of the day, please make sure that you look after yourselves. Take the time to listen to the show in your own home, with friends and family. And remember that we are all in this together. So take care, be safe, and I'll see you soon. But welcome back, um, ladies and gentlemen, um, boys and girls who listen to Campbell's Footballs. Um, I'm back for another episode. Uh, I'm joined um, for this episode uh, by Inverurie Locos Neil McLean. Neil, a warm welcome to the show. Hi, Ethan Grant. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm I'm keeping okay during this uh, during this tough time. You know, obviously, coronavirus has been a frustrating period for us all. Um, how are you guys coping more than more than most? Uh, it's uh, like I say, it's tough for everybody, but uh, you've got to do your best as you can, trying to stay as fit as you can for whenever the the new season might start, or whenever we get back to pre-season. Yeah. Uh, if we do so, yeah, just coping with the kids' schoolwork and trying to keep sane during the day. So no, it's 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 tough, but we'll we'll get through it. And you said to me just before we came on there that you're becoming a bit of a a, a regular and a bit of a a pro at primary one maths, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, well, I when I say pro, I'm more an intermediate at the moment, just trying to help the kids with that. So it's uh, uh, it's bringing it bringing it back a wee bit to, to what I used to do when yeah. we were younger. And uh, I've got two girls, so uh, they're five and eight. So I'm just uh, going back to doing schoolwork with them, and I can colour in the pictures in between the lines, and that's about my. Uh, extent of my skills oh, obviously very important um, obviously you know keeping a, a strong physical um, stature during this time is uh, very important have you been using things like Joe Wicks uh, who's been very popular during this period or have you been using other uh, alternatives I, the kids uh, the kids started off when, when they were doing the, the school was encouraging them to you know join in at that at 9 o'clock in the morning and I've uh, I generally keep myself pretty fit anyway and do a bit outside of training so not too much of a change for me there I mean I'm, I'm 39 years old now so it's uh, it's getting tougher to keep up with the guys at Highland League level right. uh, so I need to I need to do my, my bit on the side as well uh, in terms of training can I just say on the record you don't look 39 I mean I'm 20 I'm 29 this year and uh, you, you don't look 10 years older than me I've got to say Cheers, I'll, uh, I had a shave this morning so I'll, uh, I'll take that as a compliment <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good to know that but you didn't really need to say that I have to say that's um, okay that's okay um, Neil got to say thanks very much once again for offering to come on Campbell's Footballs um, I've been really interested to hear a little bit more about your time uh, at Locos and obviously your involvement at Island League level I always like to um, know 
a little bit more about what goes on with some of the Highland League clubs because obviously they're in the Scottish football pyramid. You know, there's this aspirations to move up uh, the system. And I think it's interesting to hear the dynamics that go on at these clubs. So my first question to you, just kind of looking at your own involvement, is what made you want to go into football in the first place? Uh, I think like every boy my age, certainly, you know, you grew up playing football and that's what you what you always did, you know, after school, before school, at lunch times. Um, I was lucky I had some really good PE teachers and some good guidance. Uh, certainly my father pushed me to, to play and encouraged me to play. Um, so as I say, you know, from old Melvin, so I played at school football there and then went to the Gordon District League it was at the time, uh, where there was you know, teams from two teams from Ellen, um, so I think West Geary, Colney Park. Um, so I played for for Martin from Pitmeadon, uh, there for two years, and then I played into the, the Aberdeen Boys Club leagues. Yeah, and played with Stony Wood, and I played with Stony Wood for I think from under 11s through to under 16s. Yeah, um, and then just kind of progressed that way, and, and you know, as you get older, you you progress into other levels and. Other guys start maybe stopping, you know, whether it's ability or whether it's uh, commitment. They don't want to do it anymore, uh, and it's you know that's what I wanted to be. That's when I what I wanted to be, what I aspired to be was a professional footballer. Obviously, didn't quite make it, but uh, gave it a good shot. Who were your inspirations growing up, both personally but also in the much wider scale within football? Uh, I think personally, I had, a, I had an older cousin who played in the juniors in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a Scottish Junior Cup winner with Renfrew, and I always kind of wanted to look up to him and play with him, uh, or play 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 like him. Um, my dad pushed me to play as much as I could. Uh, I'm a Rangers fan from the northeast, which is unpopular with a lot of people, <laughs> but I always kind of remember watching McCoyce, Durant, and then laterally Loudrop and Gascoigne and things like that, and just you know, I had a bit of natural ability and, and, and enjoyed playing football and I, I still enjoy it, that's why I'm still playing at 39 because I still enjoy it and yes. I think that's the biggest thing Yeah, absolutely. He started out at a boys club in Aberdeen playing for, for Stony Wood um, What was it like playing for them? Because they were a very successful club at the area at that time Yeah, with a lot of guys uh, you know, City guys certainly who went up to under 13s and playing on a Saturday, but a lot of guys from Allen that played uh, like I said, Neil Pickard Kevin Bissett who all went on to be senior players, the YTSs at Dundee. Um, you know, it was a really successful time. Won the, the football festival there. Uh, Lee Mayer, who I know you've had in your podcast, yes. Lee was Lee played boys club with me. Um, it was a great player, and a lot of guys went on to you know Alan Fraser went to Celtic, Gary Nicholl went to Celtic, uh, Warren Cummins who had a successful career at Bournemouth. They were all my contemporaries and played in the same age as me. Um, I never. I never had a chance to play at a senior club until yeah. I was uh, 17 uh, when I played for Forfar. Yes. Uh, so it was one of those things I kind of didn't think it was going to happen, didn't think it was going to happen, but I was always quite focused. My, my parents always instilled in me to, to focus on schoolwork as well mm-hmm. as you know the football side of things, which ultimately stood me in good stead. Yeah. Did you think that that was you know, maybe a detriment to, to maybe not... Yeah, having the opportunity to, to go uh, in other levels because you know obviously you're, you said that your parents were very much pushing you in the school uh, front and did that maybe become almost like a, a sacrifice you know could you have made the effect to go to a higher level it's, it's a hard one it's like sliding doors you know you, everybody sees something different in players I think uh, certainly the guys who I played with they were all a year older than me mm-hmm. so I think that maybe hampered me slightly yes uh, but you know, ultimately, you know, 
wasn't good enough. Yes. And I think you know you have to be realistic about that and and realise where you are. Uh, you know you, you find your level eventually, as everybody says. And uh, I, I still think I could have done a job if somebody had given me a chance. But you know I, I didn't hold any grudges or was never bitter about it. Yeah. Talk to me about the setup at Forfar because they're a club who you know are well respected in Scottish football. And you know I've, I've had people like Danny Denham on the show who obviously played it at Forfar. Um, what is it like as a club? I am. I was only there for a year uh, when I was seventeen. So I was finishing school at four o'clock. Driving down was a guy uh, Paul Cato from Turriff. Me and Paul used to drive down from Turriff and Old Melbourne to to training twice a week and then a game on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, so it was a massive commitment for us to go down there, but. You know, I couldn't. You know, Forfar as a club as a whole, was second to none. It was they looked after us, uh, even though we were just youth team players. But they looked after us. Uh, even now, I've been back for pre-season friendlies, and the groundsman still remembers you, yes. uh, Martin. Who's um, I'm sure he'll be. You know, guys who have played for Forfar will will, uh, will back me up with that and say just what a tremendous guy he he is, and what a job he does for the club. And it was really a, a you know a family friendly club. Uh, I still think that continues to this day. And it was a, it was a great year. I really enjoyed my time then. Mm-hmm. Well, I was reading here as well, which is quite interesting. You played for the Scotland schoolboys under 18s level. That must have been uh, quite an achievement. In effect, you did represent your country which has got to be commended uh, I, I mean I enjoyed it I mean, again there's some great players there uh, Paul Jarvie who's a good career at Dundee yes. United Dundee and Peterhead uh, Paul was a goalkeeper there you know some local guys who played um, guys from the central belt and yeah that was another a feather in the, in the cap there that you know I really enjoyed it Great setup, great to be involved in, and you know, any time you represent your country, it doesn't matter what it is you represent them at. It's, uh, it's you know, it's an honour and it's a, a proud moment. So, yeah, yeah fondly look back on it. it was, I think Forfar gave me the platform and a bit more confidence to go on and, and you know, sort of play well in the trials and play well in internationals. And I played in every international that was available that year. Um, yeah, and it was, it was just, a, just a great time that, that last year at Forfar and my last year at school. And where did these home nations matches take place? Were they in Scotland or were they elsewhere around the UK? I we travelled. We played Wales uh, in Wales. We played Northern Ireland over in Belfast, and we played England at uh, Tynecastle. Mm. So you know, three thousand people at Tynecastle, which really? is which was good. And the old main stand there, uh, which yes. you'll maybe not remember, but it's uh, it was the old wooden stand, and it was uh, yeah, it was just a, a great occasion for you know for friends and family to come and see you play. Yeah, fantastic. And um, you went to Edinburgh University to do PE and the soccer scholarship. I've got in front of me here. And then you had a fantastic opportunity to go to America. I mean, what a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, well, I never went. I, I got a place to go to Edinburgh to do PE, but I deferred that ah, okay. um, to, to go to, I got offered a scholarship in, in the States uh, back in 99. Um, it was a bit into the unknown, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the time, inter- the internet wasn't so readily available. There was still a bit of internet that you couldn't go on the phone and internet at the same time. Um, but the scouts used to come and watch you play in the the trials and international matches yes. uh, there. And it was a case of, you know, you, you choose whether you stay in Scotland and go to Edinburgh. You know, I had three options. It was accepted to go to Edinburgh go to Ross County and do a YTS or you know go uh, do this scholarship and try and get the best of both worlds and you know going on the scholarship was, was probably one of the best decisions I think I made um, again you're never sure slightly the doors if I'd gone to Ross County it might have been a different 
different state, but uh, don't regret it for one minute. Yeah. Uh, going over to the states. Talk to me about some of the opportunities you had in America, because you know I've spoken to a few people who have been over over in the states and they just say it's an absolutely fantastic setup. What was it like for you? Yeah, um, you know, we'd echo those sentiments exactly. Um, again, I went over there probably. In hindsight, I went over there for the football, mm. uh, but then enjoyed the studying part part of that as well. But it's it's full on. It's not for it's not for everybody. It's not an easy option. Uh, a lot of guys have the perception that it's you just go there for a jolly, uh, but you have to maintain your standards if you're on a full scholarship, which yeah. I was. I was on a full athletic scholarship, so you had to maintain. I think it was over a seventy percent average in all your classes, so you had to. You know, be passing seventy percent of every class you had. Yes. Um, but the characters that were there, the, the training that we had, the facilities. I would say the facilities that I had, and just going back twenty years, twenty-one years, were better than what I see now in Scotland. Wow. Um, it's it's just the training was geared up for you. The the facilities were geared up for you to be the best you could be. You know, on the pitch. You know, we had we had guys from all over the world. The guys from from England that had come through at Chelsea, West Ham, Gillingham. Um, two guys who, you know, were from Ukraine, went through Dynamo Kiev youth system, and took this opportunity and took this route to, to go down with education. Did you feel that that was a big step up uh, in terms of level, or do you think it's helped you more become more rounded in your game playing? I think both. I think that the, the step up in athleticism is something that I, that shocked me to mm. be honest um, people think again a lot of people think you're going there for a jolly but you're training every day you're in the gym every day which was a new concept to me was in the, being in the weight room yeah. at the time um, and the players were far better than what I'd anticipated yeah. uh, so it was a, a steep learning curve but something that you know as the four years progressed I kind of grew into and, and I grew into myself a lot more you know you can imagine being 18 years old going to Inverurie Academy you mm-hmm. finish that in June and by the end of August you're over in New York living on your own with, with you know, 20 other guys and yeah. have to stand on your own two feet yeah absolutely um, in terms of being away from your family um, was that tough? yeah I think uh, initially it was tough Um my mum and dad always said that you know, worst comes worst case scenario. If you need to come home, you can be home in a day. Mm. If you, you know, if you think of it, you break it down to that, you get on a bus, get on a plane, and you're home. Uh, so I always had that at the back of my mind. But the group of guys that we had there was like a family. Yeah. You know, I I, I went over with another guy from Scotland, uh, from from Kilwin, um, a guy called Colin Burns who played for Kilmarnock when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And and the two of us, you know, we lived together for four years basically. Yeah. Um, and, and just that sort of camaraderie you had with all the guys, all different nationalities, all the American guys, and all the guys that were at the, you know, the other athletic teams that were in the college there, just mm-hmm. all bonded together. And the lifestyle and the football that is going on in America now, certainly back in the early 2000s, the MLS was very much an unknown concept. Now in 2020, it's you know one of the most popular leagues in the world now. And do you think that opportunity you had, you know, looking back now, has, has certainly helped that? I think uh, well, the college system's always been there. Yes. Uh, and MLS, you know, '96. So I was MLS. It was '96. I think it was. Mm-hmm. I was 25 years old next year or this year. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, 
So it was just in its infancy. You know, there was no structure below. There had been a number of different leagues that come and gone and failed and financially couldn't support it. You know, it's still, you know, the fourth most popular sport in America. You know, it's yeah. behind everything. You know, you've got the, the three major sports there anyway. So it's always going to be up against that for for uh, for money, sponsorship, etc. But the game is growing. I think it was a lot harder for me, certainly. You know, I, there was no chance that I could go from college to the MLS um, to play they had the three foreigner rule which they still have yes um, so it's really hard for any sort of foreign national to come in unless you're you, you know you're, you're going to, you know at an, an elite level and you're going to play I mean I I got offered a trial with the league which was below the MLS but it was it was Ian Bishop from West Ham oh, yes. Ian Warren from Not- Nottingham Forest and I think it was Benito Campbell and myself so you can imagine that I can imagine. <laughs> four of them, yeah. you know, the, the four there, the, the three of them are always going to get the first choice yeah. um, for that. So I, it's just something that never happened. And then, you know, I graduated, got my degree um, and felt it was time to come home. Well, that was my next question. You obviously you'd done your scholarship. And was there an opportunity to stay there and make a living over there? Uh, I think possibly. I, I think one of the things I maybe wish I'd done is stayed another year and gone to grad school and, and done something uh, for another year but uh, uh, four years is a long time being away I wanted to try and come home and play full time uh, I had a few uh, snippets that I'd heard that I could come home and maybe try something uh, which ultimately didn't happen but uh I felt that's the route I wanted to try and go down. You came home um, and you were looking for a club and you did pre-season uh, training with Aloha um, when you came back and under uh, Brian Ferguson, who's now, of course, uh, the Linlithgow manager. I, well, Brian was a bomber, was a uh, teammate of mine at the schoolboys, uh, so I kind of kept in touch with him and had seen him every time I'd come back and, at Christmas and things like that and emailed him every now and then. He was with Allo at the time and, and suggested I come down for uh, for a couple of pre-season sessions mm. and meet with his agent, who was Kevin Drinkle, who played for Rangers. Yes. And uh, I kind of, Allo, I were, were, were keen to kind of keep me coming, but the travelling from, you can imagine, from Meldrum to I was never going to work for me, yeah. uh, you know, and it just ultimately petered out. But, but to, to give me due, um, Kevin spoke to David Robertson at Elgin and got me sorted out there. And, and went to pre-season there and, and got offered a one-year deal off the back of that. You said about the travelling and it, it would have worked out for that. Do you think a lot of football players don't really take that into account and then maybe when they look back they think, no, that was a big problem in, in, that, in my own personal journey? I think I mean you're always going to have travelling for uh, for games, and I think that's a given, and people understand that. But a lot of guys, even at Highland League level, you know, the travelling that they have to go from Aberdeen to like Bucky to Banff, you know, to Fraserburgh, it's a it's a it's a big commitment to do that twice a week as well as playing on a Saturday. Yes. Uh, the the travelling never, you know, travelling for me to Elgin, you know, even that was a chore. You know, you're talking about an hour in the train up to Elgin after work or whatever you're training you come back you're getting home at half past ten it does take its toll on you over the years yeah yeah what was life like at Elgin um, you know I wanted to get a flavour of um, was it a good time for you was it a, a tricky time because obviously you're starting out and you know maybe feel that you were pushing yourself maybe a bit too early or was it was it you know the setup difficult I mean what, how, what was it like for you no, I, I enjoyed my time at Elgin. I think uh, I was ready, uh, ability-wise, and 
attitude wise I was there I could easily I could play and hold my own in the what was the third division that's how old I am it still, was still called the third yes, division yes. Um, <laughs> but no I, I think at the time at Elgin we had a split squad so half the squad trained in Glasgow and half the squad trained in Elgin so the guys from Inverness like uh, you know, Alec Bowen and, and some of those guys came down to Elgin and myself Martin Perry a few guys from Aberdeen went up and it just never I never felt the squad gelled. Well, that was my next squad. question. How, how how difficult is that to gel a squad when one half is training in one part of Scotland and the other half is training in the central belt? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you got together sporadically. I mean, that, that, that's just the way the, the squad I came into was. And, you know, there's no fault or blame to anybody there. But I just, as a, as a, if I was ever in coaching or management, I just, it's very hard to manage, very hard to, to do. You're going to get cliques in clubs anyway. Yes. Uh, and that just creates a whole sort of north-south divide, so to speak. You've started, well, you signed for Locos in 2004 uh, and you're still there at the moment. I mean, how did that come about? Well, as I say, you know, I was at Elgin at the end of the year. Um, David Robertson, who I actually enjoyed playing for, uh, David spoke to me and said, We want to sign you again for next season, but we'll sort that out after, after the summer. So to me, it was like, Well, if you don't want to sort it out now, then. I don't. I can't see that you really. I think you know. You really think I'm in your plans. Yeah. Um, so I had a few. I knew a few of the guys at locals anyway. Uh, I spoke to one of the committee members. He he kind of just walked past me in the street in Rudy and says, "Are oh, you still at Elgin?" And I'd said, "No, uh, I'm not signed with anybody." And you know, he set a meeting up at the club with the with the chairman, uh, who at the time Eddie Innes and the manager uh, John Gardner. Uh, I met with them and they offered my deal there and then uh, for two years. So yes. I was happy happy to sign for sign for them. And let's talk about John because you know he's a bit of a household name at Inverurie Locos. I mean, what was he like? Uh, John was called a spade a spade. You know, I, I, I loved playing for John. I thought it was uh, it was a baptism, baptism of fire. He never, he didn't hold. You know, he didn't suffer fools. So you knew where you stood when you know at training at games. But the one thing I would say, to John, is after a game, and it was finished, it was finished, and he was, you know, he would on the bus, wouldn't hold grudges, wouldn't do that. And at training, it was fresh again on Monday, and you went again. I think the, the, the characters we had uh, in the dressing room there with a good core of local guys, yeah, uh, including myself. You know, there was guys who I'd went to school with. You know, Stephen Park, Craig Ross, Stuart Mackay, Richard Davidson, those guys who I went to school with. Um, and then you had local guys like Tommy Wilson, Kenny Kuro, Scott Buchan, yeah. Mark Simpson, who were the senior guys, and uh, looked after all the young lads. But but really, it was a, that was one of the best dressing rooms I'd ever been in. How important is a core group like that for a team to be successful? I think uh, certainly, you know, certainly myself, Craig, Ross, Stuart McKay, and, and Tishy, uh You know, the, the four of us were all in the same year at school, so we played schools football together. Uh, we knew each other growing up, and I think that. You know, you always had each other's backs. You knew each other's strengths and weaknesses because you'd grown up with each other. I think it is it's massively important to have a good core of boys. Um, I don't necessarily mean that has to be senior players. Uh 
Uh-huh. I think if you've got a good group, of, good group of young lads who are hungry, who have the ability to play, and who want to play, want to push boys, and don't suffer fools, then I think it, you know it's equally important to have a good senior senior squad. Yeah, absolutely. And and the fact that you knew them as well, obviously, was what must have been very important. Uh, you mentioned here that your early seasons were very successful with a lot of finals and and importantly victories. How important is it to get that momentum and that confidence individually and collectively as a team? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, my first three months in the, the club, we won the qualifying cup, uh, which was the big, big tour, uh, well, it was the big cup in, in the Highland League at that time, uh, whereas, you know, four teams in the Highland League that, that qualified for the Scottish proper. So, you know, the semi, if you got to the semi-final, you knew you were, you knew you were in the hat for the Scottish Cup first round. Yes. Uh, so we won, we won the qualifying cup, and I think that just gave us huge momentum to, to, to go on, and we were in two or three cup finals that year uh, and we challenged for the league we were runners up yeah, you know that was sort of, that was a sort of norm for the first four or five years of my time at Locos. Yeah, I was just having a look at some of the the honours that you've had. You've won well, as Inverurie during that time, two Highland League Cup wins, two thousand seven and two thousand and eight, um, three yeah. Aberdeenshire Shields, um, two Scottish Qualifying Cup Norths, um, a North Region Challenge Cup, and an Aberdeenshire League. I mean, that that's a great success for a relatively small club in Inverurie, I would say. It was at a time, and you know, came into the league in the early 2000s, so it was still sort of finding its feet. Uh, but yeah, as I say, that that was a really successful period, a really successful time. Um, the, the, the club deserves success the way it's run off the park, and, and you know the yeah. players that we've had over the years. But it doesn't, you know, just because it's a well-run club doesn't guarantee success. In terms of the players that are currently there at Inverurie, who could people look at our research going forward and maybe keep an eye on in terms of their progress? Uh, there's a few young lads coming through um, whether they establish themselves at Highland League level that's always a tricky thing I, th- I find that there's there's less young guys coming through at 19, 20 who are playing first team regularly the last uh, guy that i seen sort of doing that was, uh, was Paul Coots at Cove mm-hmm. who was a 19 year old lad and just absolutely bossed the league that year yeah. um, there's been few and far between. Um, I've kind of done that, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good good guys in there. That, you know, the core of the the guys now at locals are, are, are senior. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there is a few guys who could go on to play uh, at a higher level mm-hmm. if they if they if they wanted to and they wanted to try and establish themselves. Um, but it's whether they have that will and desire to do it. Yeah, talk to me about playing at Harlow Park, obviously in Inverurie. You know, I've been to the ground a couple of times, and it is a really nice atmosphere for a Highland League ground. Yeah, as I say, you know, it's it's, it's a well-run club uh, off the park. You know, the the, the committee worked really hard, uh, have done for a number of years. It's a well-supported club locally by you know a lot of good local businesses. Um, we've always been very lucky that we've had really good main sponsors. You know, when I first started, it was Toys Tires. Yes. Uh, then John Bell, and you know now Wakala. Uh, we've got a really good main sponsor there who back back us up and who provide a lot of you know not just monetary wise but a lot of help you know with social media with doing other things which you know is a big part of the club that, that has to be done how important are these ingredients together to make a football club be successful like that yeah i mean it's you know you a lot of guys don't see what goes on behind the scenes yeah. uh, you know a lot of people just look at what goes on the park but you know you've got your kit men you've got your folk doing you know the, the strips, washing the strips, coming in and cleaning. You know we've got a, a good 
core there, a backroom staff that, that are helping out, and the man, the, a new management yeah. set up, um, which is kind of completed now for the for the next season. Whenever we start that, so and they're young, they're hungry, they're they're looking forward to, to the new season ahead, which which is you know what we're looking looking forward to. In terms of the players that you've come up against, um, who has been the hardest person or the most difficultest opponent you've come up against? League level, yes, or in general. In general, uh, well, uh, there's unknowns in America who are just out of this world. Who, you know, you, you couldn't 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 believe the ability they were playing at college. And there's a few guys going on to to play for the national team and things like that. But uh, Highland League, the, the most difficult opponent I always had uh, playing against was was a guy called Mark Chisholm who was at Devonville. Yes. In the early years, Chiz was just, you know, just a, a raw athlete and, and very good to play against. Uh, Laterally, there's there's guys at Broda, and there's a guy Martin McLean at Broda who is very hard to play against. A really good player, good engine. Uh, he's a good lad as well, which sometimes it's hard to play against a guy who's a good lad as well. But um, you know, there's been a lot of good guys, look at good players in the Highland League. It's it's hard to single folk out. And in terms of training and the guys that you've played alongside in that Inverurie setup. Um, how how has that been over the period? Has it been good a lot of good times? Has there been, you know, some fallings out or is that just part and parcel of the Highland League life? Ah, there's always there's always falling out. So if you don't if you if you don't fall out uh, with some people occasionally you're you're probably not being true uh, to yourself and to your teammates. Uh, you know, I've, as far as I'm concerned, you know what happens on the pitch it stays in the pitch. Yeah. Uh, in the training ground, if, you, if that happens in the training ground, then you shake hands off it and you move on. Uh, I, I've been lucky at my time at Locos that I've always you know seem to get on with with everybody. Uh, and, there's now a lot of folk that I don't get on with, you know, in football circles. Um, yeah. my, on the pitch, I don't hold no quarter, and I, you know, I give everything I've got. And if I, there's a ball to be won, you win it. Uh, but after the game, you speak to guys, and that, that's generally how it is in the Highland League. It's, it's a friendly league, and it has a competitiveness to it. But it, it seems to be that way. Talk to me about the current setup because Andy Lowe is currently the manager, I believe. There, I mean, he seems like a really positive and friendly guy, and it looks like a really strong setup, as we've alluded to quite a few times during this yeah Lowe's there's a, a top I mean I played with Andy when he was I've played uh, with two spells with Andy uh, he's an enthusiastic young guy young coach who's looking to progress uh, his coaching career uh, Stephen's assistant he's, he's you know as I say I've played with Stephen for a, for a lot of years yeah. uh, I've known him known him since school and Richard Davidson Titchy, he's come in now as one of the first team coaches and John Fackers come in as goalkeeping coach yeah. so it's a young dynamic team uh, who will relate to the players well yeah. it's hard being older than two of them uh, I must say but it's it's from, from my personal perspective it's but you know you have the, they have the, my respect you know I'll, I'll be, want to be treated the same as any other player regardless how long I've been there regardless what my age is what my stature is there uh, and that, that's the way it should be Let's talk about the Highland League as a whole because obviously Brora won the league this year and you know whether they go up in, that, in the situation with Kelty or whatever happens there we obviously don't know as we are recording this 28th of April we're chatting about this um, in terms of that and looking at the other teams in that league can Inverurie aspire to get into that League 2 League 1 pyramid? 
don't, I don't see why not. I think that's always the ambition uh, every year is for for locals to certainly to win honours. Uh, that's the league's been one that's eluded me in my in my seventeen years at the club. Yeah, it's something I'd love to do before I retire. How likely that is. You know, it depends after the first kick of the ball of the season. You know, yes. you have to see how you go on. Um, I think that, you know, every team that, that plays in the league wants to aspire to progress. That's why the pyramid system's been brought in. You know, that's to, to me, that's why that's been brought in. Yes. It gives everybody from, each, you know, from the juniors to the, you know, Highland League, Lowland League, East of Scotland League as it was, to progress. And I think if, if Kelty and Broad are stopped in that, then you can't call it a pyramid system. I agree. No, I, I completely agree with that point of view. In terms of the other teams in the league, when you, apart from your own ground, which obviously is your home pitch, um, which grounds did you enjoy playing at the most or, or still enjoy going to? I, I, I'll tell you one I don't like going to is wet because of the distance and the travel <laughs> uh, but I always enjoy the, the, the crack with the guys up there and as I say the, the committee do a fantastic job up there keeping that team going and they've had some great players over the years good friend Sam Mackay uh, who's just retired another fantastic player but um, yeah I've always enjoyed playing at Nairn uh, the surface there yeah. is one of the best and I always enjoyed playing at uh, Devonvale yes uh, another pitch that suited me suited my game in my younger years certainly as a winger uh, big expansive pitch that I enjoyed yeah. playing on uh, I always had a soft spot for playing at Allen Park the old uh, the old uh, Cove pitch Absolutely. Uh, it was very narrow yes. very tight but uh, always quite enjoyed playing there obviously Cove um, coming up through the High League system have been doing really well they've effectively won League 2 as well this season Um where, where do you see them going forward? Are we, we obviously we're chatting away from Inverurie, but you know, mm-hmm. are, they, is they, are they a club, another club to aspire to in the same way as as Broro are? I think you look at, uh, I think you look at all the, the the previous teams that have come from the Highland League. You know, you look at Peterhead, you look at Elgin, uh, you look at Ross County, you look at Cali. You know, there's a there's a progressive model there. Yeah. Who you know, Cove magnificent season they've had. Uh, to, you know, they were going to win that league. Regard, you know. They were, they were odds on to win that league uh, until obviously the, the shutdowns happened but I think if you if, for any Highland League team if you look at that and look at the Cove model and how they've done that then that, again that's something to aspire to the support they'll get and what they'll need to progress um, I can't see them you know I can't see where they'll where they'll stop if they if they keep getting the good players that they have in and they keep a hold of some of them. Let's bring it back to yourself. Um, you you tell me on this that you're going to be 39 in May, which, I, as I said, I, I cannot believe. Um, do you still feel do you still feel the hunger there? Uh, I do. I still get the nerves every Saturday. Mm. Uh, I still get the butterflies when I'm playing. I still I love training. Uh, enjoy training. Enjoy the the camaraderie with the with the guys and the. the my teammates, you know, helping them, helping the younger guys now. I think uh, I still, I'm, I'm not there on sentiment. I've had good discussions with uh, with the management team and with the committee, uh, and I'd hope they would be the first to tell me that it's time to stop. But yes. I think I would know. I think I would know myself when it's time to stop, and if I wasn't, you know, producing any sort of level, uh, and I would, I would do that. But everybody keeps telling me you're a long time retired, so. Well, I always ask professionals and ex-professionals um, about injuries and, you know, how can you recover from injuries? Have you been one of these people that have been fortuitous and not having so many injuries or have you been on the other side of the fence? Uh, I touch wood, I've, uh, I've not had 
anything bad you know I've had a couple of niggles and knocks here and there but nothing that's kept me out long term and I've always as I say kept myself relatively fit and I look after myself I train out with training I think I need to do that at my age I wish I'd done it when I was younger <laughs> uh, I think I think everybody will tell you the same thing they wish they'd done more when they were younger and looked after themselves a bit more but as I say you know when it comes back to pre-season whenever that can be I uh, I won't be at the back of the running I won't be at the front anymore but yes. I won't be at the back of the running and I'll as I say I think the hunger's there and I'll still enjoy, I still enjoy it and as long as the hunger's there then I'll keep going A lot of people also look at the physical side of the game but more and more especially with a lot of stuff about mental health that's been going on a lot more has been discussed about that um, where, where do you stand on, on that? Surely strong mental health is important to, at, at a highly level I think, I think at any level, I think, um, uh, you know, I did a few psychology courses at college, uh, university, sorry, and it's, it's a, it plays a massive part in it. I think it's going to be, certainly the top level has to come into play a bit more, and yeah. I think there has to be more emphasis on it. At our level, you'll, I think you'll still get a lot of people who, snigger, not snigger at it, but will look down upon it you know mm. strength is in your own yeah. mind and your own you don't need people to, to, to help you um, I've always said to, to, to the players and to the younger guys especially you know if there's anything bothering you or you want to talk about I'm here you know I think a lot of the, the, the clubs now as part of uh, SFA licensing have a chaplain yes. or a, a pastor pastoral care within that uh, within the club environment and I think that's something that you know there's still a stigma around mental health for, for certainly for athletes um, but you have a you know you have a strength coach you have a fitness coach you know there's nothing stopping you having a mind coach and doing something along those lines no absolutely um, after games um, are the players and I maybe include yourself in this do you guys you know celebrate socially out with football or do you guys kind of keep yourselves to yourselves uh, it used to be uh, in my younger years. It was certainly a social side of things. You know, it was after after a game, straight in the, the social club, a couple of beers, and then either out in Inverurie or out in Aberdeen. But uh, nowadays, it's still the same for a lot of the younger guys. Not as frequent as it maybe once once was. Uh, the buses home are not as wild as they once once used to be. Um, but now at 39, I need to go home and read the bedtime stories and. Uh, Get the chores done for for, for the Sunday. It's nothing worse than so. Yeah, no. So no, I was going to say, where do you see the culture now with footballers? Because you know, obviously, you hear these stories back in the day of you know people going out for a few beers after games. You know, we hear some of the stories like Ali McCoyston, Alan Brazil, or people like Ray Parler talk about in the past. And obviously, you don't see so much of that nowadays. No, I think. Uh at our level, you know, it's never going to be scrutinised. But it, the, the higher up you go, it's obviously far more scrutinised as the players' lives and what they do. Um, you know, camera phones and things like that. I, I sound like a dinosaur when I'm saying it, but you know, there was never any of that when I was younger. And you know, players going out, they could go out and, and have a bit of freedom to, to you know be with their mates and do what they wanted. But um, yeah, I think that there's there's not as much of a drinking culture within football anymore. And yeah. I think that's gone a wee bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Neil, one of the things I'm really interested in is the next stage, and you've talked a little bit about doing your coaching badges with the SFA. Um, what do you do? You feel that coaching is where you see yourself um, going? Because a lot of people, I feel, in terms of ex-professionals or professional players, they always say, "Okay, we've we've got our professional playing career, and then what do we do next? Or where's the next stage?" And they and they struggle with that. You seem to have maybe got an idea very early on what you want to do. 
I think uh, again, you got to look at the level that you're you're playing at. I think for the guys who are you know twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and you know professionals, I think it would be hard for them to to have a plan of what they're doing because they're so immersed into to what they're the heat in now. I certainly you know through work and things like that I've seen things progressing um, the impetus for me doing my, my badges is I've started helping my daughter's football team uh-huh. uh, through the school and I kind of wanted to just go back and do them again and, and see how maybe the SFA criteria and things like that and philosophies changed um, and they've been very enjoyable I don't think I would want to go into management Yeah. Uh, I never say never but it's not really something I, that that you know, I'm that passionate about. Uh, I certainly would go into coaching and helping out with somebody and doing, you know, first team coaching at Highland League level or beyond if the opportunity arose. Yes. Um, but management for me at the moment, it's not not on the horizon. In terms of your playing career, is there any standout moments? Uh, playing for your country, I think, is always the biggest thing. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to play for Scotland 15 times across, you know, for the schoolboys and for the semi-professional t- uh, setup that we had. Um, playing against, uh, you know, travelling with those guys and, you know, the teammates you had there and obviously singing a national anthem even though it's about 40 people down on a cold, cold Thursday night in Wales. But yeah. it's still, you know, Anytime you pull on the dark blue, it's, it's a good thing. I was just having a look at some of Inverurie's recent history because I know that in 2008-09, uh, they played Motherwell in the Scottish Cup. That must have been a, a massive moment for the club. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, as I say, you know, out with international uh, selections, you know, my best time in football has been at, been at Locos. And, you know, you're there for 17 years, you know, they must be doing something right and I must be doing something right as well. And, yeah, the, the game against Motherwell, you know, capacity crowd uh, that was there. We played Ross County in the Scottish Cup. You know, the Scottish Cup runs that you have and the Cup finals you have uh, are certainly the, the most memorable moments you get from, from playing at our level. Have you managed to swap any shirts uh, with any of these uh, players or from those clubs? No, I never. It was never... We, we would have to wear our shirts in, in the following game, so you can never give them away. Yeah. Um, I remember we when we played the England, uh, which is the England C setup, it's called. Um, there was uh, the guys who were playing there, and you kind of got to know them over the years. And I speak to a few of the guys, and they were asking to swap shirts, but we weren't allowed to because we had to wear ours at the next game. So um, one of those things that you know, you know, no real famous guys that would come through. A lot of guys who had gone up through the leagues, but. No, I never swapped shirts. I never really won for a memorabilia that way. I was just having a look at the the, the game, and uh, John Sutton, obviously Chris Sutton's brother, scored a couple in that game along with David Clark. So, I mean, what were the Motherwell guys like? Uh, they were okay. They were a bit standoffish. I think the game had been postponed a few times, ah, uh, and it was on a I think it was on a Tuesday or a Thursday night, and it was you know frostbound pitch, snow on the ground, so they weren't looking forward to it too much. Uh, I think they scored within the first minute, yeah. Uh, and we managed to keep it to one nil at half time, and um, how it was one nil, I'll never know. But ended up giving a good account of ourselves. But I think it was one of those that they were just delighted to get through the to the next round and get onto it. I was just uh, looking through the, that motherball team because Stephen Cragen was playing, Mark Reynolds, who obviously is still playing at the moment, Stevie Hamill, who's a, a seasoned pro on that motherball side, Keith yeah. Lasley, and and those guys I just mentioned. I mean, brilliant players. Uh, good, good players are always a good side any time you, you come up against a, a full time team in the Scottish Cup uh, it's a battle um, you know we came up against Ross County the year they got to the final I think Yes. Um, so they had a lot of good players there 
Uh, I think that they, they, they hit the post after straight, straight from kickoff, and a couple of us were looking around at each other, going, "Oh, here we go! What are we into now?" But yeah. uh, it was, uh, you know, just a learning experience for for certainly some of the younger guys and for me, um, but enjoyable experiences at that. Do the Scottish Cup give an opportunity to the Highland League clubs to pit their wits against League Two and League One and just see where they are at? Because obviously we've seen, uh, you know, teams like Clyde uh, be put under real pressure by Bonnie Rigg uh, in previous seasons. We've seen Auchin like Talbot beat Air United in the past. And the Scottish Cup really does give opportunities to clubs like yourselves. I take it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think. Uh you know, you look at the Scottish Cup, and you're always looking to get first and foremost a home draw in the early rounds. Yeah. Um, I, again, you know, we've beaten league teams. We've beaten Sonar. We took our broth to replay. Um, so we were never under any. We didn't feel overawed by any team in League One or League Two. Um, you, you always knew you could hold your own. I think that you know the top half of the Highland League certainly can hold their own with any team in League Two. Yes. Uh, at the moment. Certainly, the ones you I mean. Look at Broda, uh, how well they did in the Scottish Cup over the last couple of years. Um, it doesn't hold any fear for any Highland League teams, I don't think. Um, in terms of the future for yourself, uh, we're coming to the end of the podcast, by the way. Um, really, coming, really enjoyed our discussion, Neil. Um, in terms of uh, your progression individually, but also in Viruri as a club going forward, where do you see yourselves going? Personally, for me, I kind of see myself year on year and see how I feel and see how the body holds up. Um, as I say, whenever we get back to football and get back to season, I'm really looking forward to it, as I'm sure a number of people are and fans and, and players alike uh, oh, yes. for that. I think uh, I think Locos as a club will only progress. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a real community club there. We're, we're in partnership with uh, Aberdeen Football Club Community Trust um, and Stephen Bodie, a local guy who uh, has a, an office within the sports centre, does a lot of work within the community there. And they're a fantastic uh, organisation. Yeah. Really, 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 even now, you know, have a good presence within the local areas. And I think Inverurie will only progress that. Uh, within the local community and keep moving on with that yeah absolutely well I really wish you uh, personally and Inveruri all the best um, for when we do recommence um, Neil thanks very much for being a guest on the Campbell's Football Podcast no worries Grant thanks very much cheers well listener that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered if you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple Spotify Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91, on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's Footballs. What a dangerous night!